We have to go back! Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. I'm Ricky. I'm Grayson. And today, are you ready, Player One? Because today, we're reviewing the 1982 movie Tron with special guest Jeffrey Brown. Hello. Jeffrey's here. That's the voice you just heard. Uh, Jeffrey uh, has been on the podcast before he was with us when we reviewed the animated Batman, very Superman movie. And as you will hear later on, um, somewhat of a Tron expert in that he knows more than me about Tron. So that's why we're having him on. We're glad to have you again, Jeffrey. Thank you for the second time. (laughs) So we are reviewing this movie because Ready Player One, the hit movie about a guy playing a video game for real life stakes we decided to look at another movie about a guy playing a video game for real life stakes so in case you weren't around in the 80s uh tron is a 1982 american sci-fi adventure film written and directed by stephen lisberger Mm, delicious based Mm. on a story uh by Lizberger and Bonnie MacBird. Oh man, just so many food references in these names. And it was produced by Walt Disney. To give you a brief synopsis of the film, uh, stars Jeff Bridges. He is a computer programmer who is transported inside the software world of a mainframe computer where he interacts with programs in his attempt to escape. It's like Blue's Clues, but with computers. Jeff Bridges can do, you can too, and then he went into the computer. Good old Blue's Clues reference. And so he then goes on an adventure in the game trying to battle a master super intelligent computer uh that loves to play gladiator like games with computer programs uh the movie began development in 1976 when lizberger became an Treed with early video games, he saw the highly advanced game of Pong and said, what if we made a movie about people inside a game like Pong? Uh, and there, and because of Pong, we get Tron. No relation. So this is a direct quote from Liz Berger. He said, everyone was doing backlit animation in the 70s. It was that disco look, and we thought, what if we had this character that was a neon line, and that was our Tron warrior? And it's Tron for electronic. Look at that. Uh, And what happened was I saw Pong, and I said, well, that's the arena for him. And at the same time, I was interested in the early phases of computer-generated animation, which I got into a bit at MIT. And when I got into that, I met a bunch of programmers who were very into that. And they really inspired me by how much they believed in this new realm. I got to say, that interview was longer than I expected. (laughs) He had a lot to say. So Liz Berger and his co-producer Donald Kushner uh, started working on Tron. They planned to use their considerable experience in animation to make a feature-length cartoon uh, framed by just two live action sequences. Or think of Page Master. Oh my gosh, yes, exactly Page Master. Right, where yeah. it's bookended with live action, but animated Bo- in the middle. Bookended. Book- oh, look at that! So, after being turned down by MGM Studios and Columbia, the partners pitched their idea to Disney, who invested in a test reel, which was showing Tron playing, you know, 
the Frisbee game. Uh, and so then Disney went with it. So at this time, Disney was kind of struggling to be anything other than just a kid's uh, kind of studio because their kids' movies weren't doing as well, and they were trying to do more with their live-action movies. So they thought that this would be the perfect vehicle for them to do more adult-targeted content. And so they got the green light for $17 million, um, but some Disney animators refused to work on Tron uh, because not everyone was enthusiastic about bringing in a computer-generated animated movie. Their traditional animators were, like, threatened. They felt threatened by the idea of using computers to force their craft into obsolescence because computers could take away the jobs of 2D animators, and they weren't wrong. Q shut down of the 2D animation division in 2010. I ironically, 2010 is when Tron Legacy came out. Right? Isn't that the date? So when, when Tron Legacy came out, they <laughs> it was like the final nail in the coffin. I said, guys, I've been doing some research, and uh, turns out you were right. Uh, so Tron was released on July 9th in 1982, and 1,000 theaters grossing $33 million in America. Now, it didn't do bad, but it didn't do what Disney was expecting. So Disney Studios did not produce another live-action film for 10 years. That led Disney to create their subsidiary company, Touchstone Pictures, which went on to do other live-action products like Who Framed Roger Rabbit, though a Disney picture was produced under Touchstone. And their way of doing more adult content. Exactly. But I will tell you that the series that did make disney more comfortable with producing their own content was pirates of the caribbean pirates mm. of the caribbean was the first movie in many many years that disney was like okay let's put this under the disney flag that was geared a little bit more towards adults so tron it didn't do that well but it was critically acclaimed people really loved the graphics and the way in which they decided to go the distance for the effects that they were able to pull off. Um, it was released on VHS, Betamax, and Laserdisc, and first time on the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast, the film saw a re-release on a Laserdisc box set. I don't know about you, but I've never seen a Laserdisc box set, and I didn't no. know until now that I need one especially if it's Tron, because I can only imagine one of the discs is just one that you can just throw. <laughs> it comes complete with an identity disc. Perfect. But yes, so Tron, though not commercially successful, it was groundbreaking. No one could deny that. In fact, a fellow Disney artist said that Tron was the film that helped him to see the potential for computer-generated imagery in the production of animated films, and that without Tron, there would be no Toy Story. That man was John Lasseter. Oh, wow. Head of Pixar. So, we have Tron to thank for Toy Story and all of Pixar and Toy Story 3 and all those tears. So thanks, Tron. So Tron was one of the first movies to make extensive use of any form of computer animation. Um, and it's celebrated as a milestone in the industry. Though only 15 to 20 minutes of such animation are used, most of the scenes were used to show the digital terrain or patterns, including the vehicles, the light cycles, tanks and ships, all that. Here's the interesting thing. The computer used to create these graphics 
only had two megabytes of memory and 330 megabytes of storage. So that means our phones could make Tron in 1982. <laughs> we have to go back. I heard one time that Cecil B. DeMille would have <laughs> murdered somebody for an iPhone. I don't remember who said that. I think it's you. Oh, yeah, maybe. <laughs> I don't think so, though. I think it was Cecil B. DeMille. <laughs> so with these effects, with the, the first use of these computer animated full scenes done in computer, it was nominated for an Oscar and then was denied. Basically, the consensus was you're cheating because you're using computer effects. And now the, the special effects award basically means, like, who has the best computer effects? Yeah. Now that's amazing. Yeah. They, I can't believe that in 1982, they're just like, uh, no witchcraft in the Academy. Please and thank you. Yeah, that's that's wild. And last little fun fact, which will lead us directly over to our Tron expert, Jeffrey. Uh, there was a... Tron video game made, and that video game made more money than the movie. So the New York Times reported that there were 800 arcade cabinets sold by 1982 of the Tron game, and um, a report saying that Tron made $45 million by 1983. That That's $45 million in quarters. In quarters. <laughs> which yeah. you know... They don't miscount quarters. <laughs> the first Tron game to come out came out in the same year as the movie, 1982. It was an arcade cabinet, upright cabinet. They also had uh, mini cabinets and cocktail style. And it featured four essentially mini games that were featured in the movie. So you had the light cycles, which are probably the most famous. You have a tank level, a level where you fight the grid bugs. And the final level is you are... You have to work your way through this barrier to get into what it was called the MPC cone. Mm -hmm. So a, a lot of this uh, was developed based off an early draft of the film. There, there were also a couple of games made for the Atari and the Intellivision. Uh, I don't think either of those did super well. And then in 1983, they released a sequel called The Disc of Tron which was originally planned for the Tron arcade game, but they just couldn't fit it all in there. So this has like the most famous like disc combat of Tron. However, it was unfortunate because this came out in 1983. And if you know your video game history, that means it came out during the video game crash of 1983. Oh yeah, that big old landfill of right, E.T. Games. Right. <laughs> all those E.T. games. So... Uh, Disc of Tron did not do well, and I think probably just kind of solidified that Disney wasn't going to touch Tron for quite a while. Yeah. Um, but the, the cabinets are worth looking up because there's some normal upright cabinets, but there are a couple of cabinets that were fully enclosed. So there was an entrance on either side of the cabinet, but behind you was a, a wall it, it wrapped around you it's wow. pretty interesting and uh, another just fun fact uh, about jeffrey he owns a tron cabinet uh what? which yeah so it's like it's he owns it um it is in his home and i'm just always impressed by that so when we were going to review this movie i couldn't not ask him to be on <laughs> yeah. it, it's, a, it's a good game to have because you just 
it's still an old arcade game and you're just chasing a high score. After you play the four games, it will just restart those four levels just slightly harder. And you just keep repeating that. But at least there's variety in it. That's awesome. But now, let us dive on into our reactions of the film. Um, Jeffrey, you are our guest. Tell us about the uh, the last time prior to this podcast, or maybe even your first time, that you watched Tron. So I didn't grow up being like a, a huge Tron fan. I don't think a, a lot of uh, 90s kids were huge Tron fans. My introduction to Tron, the first time I saw it and at least understood that it was being referenced was from Dexter's Laboratory. Ah, yes. And they, they go through the light cycles and they fight the Master Control program and all that stuff. And the, just the world of Tron is so visually striking that even a cartoon referencing it stuck with me. I didn't actually see Tron until college in a film class. And that was a really fun environment to watch it in because because of the history behind Tron and the significance of its special effects, it was nice to watch that and be able to appreciate it both as just a a story and for its history. That's awesome. And and I completely forgot to mention this. uh, And we have a video that explains it in way more depth on our Twitter at flashback flicks. Um, But Jeffrey, very briefly, can you tell us how they animated these mind boggling effects? Cause like what we said before, the a lot of the special effects were done using computer imagery but the glowing effects jeffrey take it away okay so this this is just madness how they did this so the tron breaks down kind of into three parts there's the live action that takes place in the real world there's the computer animated stuff that again is normally landscapes and then there's the stuff inside tron that was shot live action but then had the glow effects attached to it so the glowing effect it was all shot in black and white. Their costumes were black and white. The The set was just like duvetine and tape. All of this was just black and white. They then took that film, blew it up to like 14 inches, and had a way of processing it so that different pieces of the film would stand out, and they would hand-paint it. So they, they hand-painted all the glowing effect, all of the... Uh, their, their skin tone was painted differently. Their teeth and eyes were a different layer. There was something like seven layers deep of painting every frame of the film. So take every single frame of the film, multiply it by seven, and then hand paint it all. But it, it created an amazing effect. That's like 90% of the movie. I just thought that was amazing. Yeah, my experience with Tron will come after Grayson's. So Grayson, when was the first time that you watched Tron? It was last night. Oh, yeah. I had never seen it before. I remember seeing the box for it at an Albertson's pharmacy when I was probably 10 years old. So I don't have uh, very deep memories with this movie, but watching it, uh, it, it's that kind of thing where it unlocks different references to it where you're like, oh, I get Like you mentioned the Dexter's Lab one. Uh, I believe there was a Family Guy reference as well, uh, so that was cool to see. And, and like, I I always kind of knew like about Tron, did not know how surprisingly religious it was, um, and those overtones and like Dumont the Cyber Pope and all that stuff. So that was that was very unexpected, um, but pretty cool to see. And 
watching this, like I, I had seen the Tron Legacy trailer in theaters, meant nothing to me. So then I watched Tron for this and immediately watched the trailer for Tron Legacy. And I was like, oh my gosh, that would have been so cool to have like waited so long. And then you see all of these references. I was like, oh man, went from meaning absolutely nothing to having just tons of significance. So that was cool. That was a cool uh, kind of transformation uh, just from, from watching this. But yeah, it, it was just a really enjoyable experience to see. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, this was also my first time watching it. And I actually watched mm. it with Jeffrey. Um, and it was I was not expecting for Tron to be what it was. For some reason, I thought it was more man inside video game plays video game. Like I just knew that like Jeff Bridges somehow gets inside of a game. Um, I remember the reference I remember the most is from the real adventures of Johnny quest um, Mm. where they, it was like a Johnny quest reboot in the nineties on cartoon network. I was one of their few like new original programmings that they had. And they straight up just had like a Johnny quest puts on this virtual reality helmet and he's in Tron. Like he's just in Tron Um, light cycles and everything. It's just unapologetically Tron. Um, And that's what I remember the most about the reference to Tron as a kid. Mm, so you remember Tronny Quest. <laughs> Tronny Quest, yes. <laughs> yeah. And that's, I guess, what I was expecting it to be is like, it's not necessarily him in the game, actually. I guess I was just thinking that he was playing a character. Um, but I did not think that he was going to um, go all pixels on us. It reminded me a lot of Dark Crystal, where it's like, the story's not like... Like, you're not there for the story. You're just there for, and I want to say, correct me if I'm wrong, you're there for just the sheer scope of the feats that these creators went through. Like, Dark Crystal, you're just watching it, and you're just like, what? how did they, what am I, what? I, and, the, and the story is there, and it, it's just, it's not like a particularly special story by any means, but like, you're there like saying, all of these things are puppets, all of these things are puppets, whereas in Tron, it was just like, all of this was hand animated with glowy effects, or this was made with the 32 megabyte hard drive computer. <laughs> it, it is funny to think that they were, they were worried about computer animation threatening their jobs when really a majority of the movie is hand animated right it's just animated mixed with live action footage which was still i I don't know how often that had been done before i guess like mary poppins had done it right right yeah i mean yeah it was just it was i i I agree with you grayson it was really good to see it and understand it personally like oh so this is that movie that everyone's been referencing um So wait, neither of y'all have seen Tron Legacy, is that right? So we, I have seen Tron Legacy. Oh, okay. But oh, that's was, right. You saw Tron Legacy prior to seeing Tron. I was just like, I'm sure I'll understand what this sequel, 10, 20 years in the making, uh, is all about. And uh, I, I couldn't tell you one thing about Tron Legacy after seeing <laughs> it. All right, so now we're going to go into a program that we like to call 
one zero one one zero one 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 zero zero one one zero one 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 zero one one zero one 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 zero or as you know it head cannon so I, I realize that this is a uh, audio format, but for for those of you who need the visual of Grayson's face during that, it is one hundred percent the Captain Picard facepalm meme. If you just grab that image, <laughs> you you have it. It went on so long. <laughs> That's the official binary. That is the oh. actual binary for headcanon. I know, and I applaud you for looking it up. When you started, I was like, oh, yeah, that, that, that's clever. That's fine. And then it kept going. It was like, okay. I was like, oh, my gosh. He did the math. Oh, it took so long. Uh, well done. Uh, okay. Uh, headcanon is a part of the show where we share unique ideas about the movie and untold stories based on evidence provided by the film. Uh, I'm gonna just go first because it's all I have, um, and it's literally the thing that I said as I was talking with Jeffrey right after we had watched the movie. In very simple terms, um, Tron is the base program, or I guess the mass computer in Tron is the base program for the inevitable robotic uprising in the Matrix. Grayson, I took it! No! Wait, wait, you said for the Matrix? Yeah, the Matrix. Oh, we're good, we're good. That actually oh. makes more sense, but we're, we're good, yeah. Different robotic uprising. Okay, I won't say anything else. Yeah, it's the Matrix. Well, with Jeffrey as our guest, I will I will uh, defer to him. Well, oh, I, was nice. I, I was hoping that I could have uh, the last go, but right. that was only to, to piggyback off of any good ideas that y'all might have had. <laughs> because I, I have... Very little. My my headcanon, I tried to come up with something super clever, and it just didn't work. Uh, so similar to The Matrix, I think Tron is the origin story for uh, the beloved TV show Reboot. Oh, nice. yes. So I actually wrote down in my notes that this, this reminds me of Reboot. It's like a very, uh, like they, spiritually they're connected there. Yes. So, well, Reboot, it, it takes place all inside the computer. There's mm -hmm. no users that enter the computer, but there is interaction with the user. So uh, in, in the show, a I think it was actually called a GameCube. It, it predates a Nintendo GameCube, but a cube came from the sky. And if you stood under this cube, the program would be put into the game. It was mm -hmm. pretty high stakes because you had to beat the user you had to beat the player if you didn't you just died game yeah. over deleted wow. from the mainframe yeah right yeah and you're right it is called a game space cube so and it's also purple right mm -hmm. it's like a purple like lightning cube which the the purple game cube was one of the most common colors so oh nintendo was taking notes <laughs> <laughs> that's great very solid head cannon Thank you. Yeah. How about you, Grayson? My headcanon, this is why I thought that we had doubled down again, um, <laughs> is that this is the prequel prequels prequel to the Terminator franchise. And ah. this is how they started developing the machine learning early on. I don't just say that because of crazy robots doing whatever they want. 
I say it because an offhanded comment made by Flynn whenever he's laying down some of the exposition uh, when he's very, very sweaty. Um, <laughs> I caught that he says Sherman set the Wayback Machine to three years ago, a reference to uh, Sherman and Mr. Peabody. But I like the idea that that's not just like a show in their universe, that it's there's actual like technology that's being developed with colleagues that they know that are Sherman and Mr. Peabody working on this kind of like time travel uh, technology. And it's that uh, Mr. Peabody and Sherman technology that is then used in the future Terminator state to send the Terminator back in time. So this connects a reality where it's Terminator, it's Tron, and it's uh, Mr. Peabody and Sherman uh, <laughs> making making the events that we see in a majority of the Terminator films. So now we're going to go ahead and go into a segment of the show that we like to call Recast and Reboot. If this movie were to be rebooted today... Who would you cast, and what would the storyline be? We will start with our guest, Jeffrey. So I, I was trying to think who would I want to recast, and I don't know if I necessarily want to recast people, but I want to take the, the story in a different direction. So I wanted a Tron 3 to happen, and although I, I don't think that's on the horizon, maybe in another 20 years, that seems to be the, the time frame for Tron movies, uh, so in Tron Legacy, we pick up with Flynn's son. Uh, however, in 2003, there was a video game that came out for the PC and Xbox and I think Game Boy Advance called Tron 2.0. That focused on Alan's son, and he goes into Tron. Um, so you can see how some of those elements were pulled in to make Tron Legacy. Instead of doing Alan's son, they went with Flynn's son, I think it would be really fun if we pick up uh, right around where Tron Legacy left off, except we start following Alan. Alan is trying to figure out where both Flynn and Sam have gone because he doesn't know. And that leads them to the arcade, which leads them into the world of Tron. So we, for the first time, Alan is inside Tron and interacting with Tron, the, the program he created. Wow. That's solid. That that would Pretty be cool. my my reboot. I'd watch that. Yeah, I think the the actor would still be willing to do it. He's done a lot of Tron stuff. Anytime Tron comes up, he he voiced uh, Tron for the Kingdom Hearts games. He also voiced nice. Tron in uh, Tron Uprising, which was a cartoon show that aired on Disney XD. Only had one season, I believe. It didn't do super well, but it is. A really good story. It takes place in between Tron and Tron Legacy, and it is the lead character is voiced by Elisha Wood. Yeah. And he says, You have to use your hands. <laughs> it's a baby's toy. <laughs> I think this movie is so ripe for a reboot, especially now, because I think gaming and technology has caught up basically. Um, but I would love it if we got to see other video games, like if it was like, not just like ones and zeros, kind of like a actual circuit board come to life kind of thing, but like other properties, like I would love to see if like a Tron like video game got to interact with other video game characters like Sonic or gosh, Super Mario, all these other things. Um, and they call it something like Wreck-It Ralph. 
just right off the top of your head. Yeah, that's just my idea uh, off the top of my head. Um, but Disney, if you wanna, if you if you wanna wanna make something like that. Uh, how about you, Grayson? So for recasting, I really think there's only one action star who can take a property that was successful in its own right and then do it again, and that's Chris Pratt. Uh, so for Flynn, I, I would have uh, Chris Pratt and kind of build the story around him. It would be more of a reboot of the original story, uh, right. just because I haven't dug as deeply into some of the these future stories like Legacy and Uprising. Um, but I do know that for the trailer of whatever this reboot would be, I would want Mark Wahlberg, and he says, I think we found a Tron machine. I love it. I love it. He's not in the movie. He's just in the trailer. That's all I want. Good, good. You know what they say, two Trons don't make a right. Okay, I think we found the baseline. <laughs> Dude. Do they say that? I believe it was Cecil B. DeMille. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Now we're going to go into our final segment of the show where we give you our reasons to recommend. So starting with Jeffrey, why would you recommend Tron? I I would recommend Tron. I I think you made a good analogy of saying that it's like Dark Crystal. So Dark Crystal, the story is there and it's it's fun, but really the, the visuals is what drives you. So that's how I feel about Tron. Tron, I think, is a really fun story. Visuals are amazing, but it has some pacing issues, and I think it suffers a lot because of that. So I would recommend this mostly for film buffs or maybe if you're just really into video games. Short and concise. I don't think we've well, ever so. given a recommendation that brief. I, I wish we I wish we would. <laughs> I wish they were all like that. <laughs> I would recommend Tron for the same kind of thing. I mean, in 1982, to think that a movie like that was made by human hands, I would agree. I would side with the Academy. That's witchcraft. Um, And it's so cool to see everything that they did create. Uh, And this movie really was just so far ahead of its time. And I think that that's why it's so ripe for a reboot in a movie like Tron Legacy would, you know, make sense. So if you ever watched Tron Legacy and you were like, I'm real confused, watch Tron. Is that the end of your thought or are you just trying to be concise like Jeffrey? I'm trying to be real concise like Jeffrey. I set an example. I'd recommend Tron because most concise. (laughs) And that's why I recommend Tron. (laughs) So that is our review of the 1982 movie Tron. Let us know what you remember about Tron. If you've seen it on Twitter, we are at Flashback Flicks. If you haven't seen it, make something up. Um, we, <laughs> we, we we just want to talk to you about We, we would love to hear your fake review of Tron. Yeah. Fact, <laughs> what do you think it's about? <laughs> And for bonus points, leave your review in binary code. Yep. <laughs> it's going to happen. I really am just waiting. Who's going to be the one? Who's going to do it? Uh, and it would really help the show out if you could leave us a review and a rating over on Apple Podcasts. You just search for Flashback Flicks. Click on the icon that looks like a yellow-purple just had a party uh and green got invited at last minute that's our color scheme uh look us up uh leave us a rating and review on a scale of one to five identity discs 
Uh, what do you think? It's a rating system. You're familiar with them. <laughs> <laughs> More is good. One is bad. And thank you, Jeffrey, for joining us for this conversation and bringing us so much knowledge. Is there anything that you'd like to promote or plug or let people know where they can find you to have more Tron-based conversations? Uh, yes. I have a small YouTube channel. It's called Blamcat, B-L-A-M, cat, like like your pet. And uh, I mostly talk about video games, but there's some other uh, random stuff thrown in there. So check it out. Awesome. And Grayson, I'm not going to ask you anything. I got this podcast I like to plug. Uh, you don't know about it, Ricky. I, uh, <laughs> I do it on the side. It's called Ricky's Great, but dot, dot, dot. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that I would be devastated by. And I host it with your parents. <laughs> Still devastated, less surprised. And be sure to tune in next time right here on the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. Until then, remember to be kind and rewind. Next week on the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast, we ask, do you like scary movies? I do! Because we're reviewing Scream. I thought it was Nosferatu. Mark Wahlberg, what are you doing here? <laughs>